1: This is the Talent Magnet Institute Podcast with your host, Mike Sippel Jr. Thank you for joining us today for the Talent Magnet Institute Podcast. We are here in the studio with a very dear friend and longtime client of our firm, Mehmet Yuxik. He is the president and CEO of Profeti Van Mella North America. Mehmet, you serve as a mate on major industry boards. You're caught upon for global leadership conversations and confections in North America. You're a global leader yourself, and uh, thank you for everything that Profeti Van Mella does in our community, the impact you have both from inside of manufacturing and employing people, but also the ways that you outreach to the community and uh, help our community shine and help the nation shine and smile along the way. So welcome, Mehmet, uh, to the Talent Magnet Institute podcast.
0: Thank you, Mike. Um, I'm so excited to be part of this, uh, and thank you for inviting me and uh, giving me an opportunity to share my
1: story. So absolutely, it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure getting to know you at a very close range and um, and I look forward to this conversation as well. Me too. So let's share with our our listeners this morning uh, who are from all over the world. And let's just share, let's talk about story of upbringing and experiences that now has you as the candy man in North America. Um, Could we start and just share a little bit about your story and journey? Uh, I was born and raised in
0: Turkey, uh, in a small town on the Black Sea Coast, uh, actually. And um, I am the youngest of three, got two sisters, and um, I um, basically... uh, went to elementary school and secondary school in that small city called Sinope. Um, and, um, and I was doing fairly well and uh, wanted to sort of continue my education uh, in a bigger city with better um, uh, opportunities. So, and then also um, my parents as well as my sisters, they saw um, that and then uh, helped me make that dream come true. Um, so um, we uh, basically uh, got together and talked about um, the possibilities. And then obviously the first thing that came to mind was Istanbul. And um, so I moved to Istanbul for high school education and you know stayed with my sister, who was newly married at that time, for about three years and then uh, another year on my own, and then went on to... Basically, attend one of the um, top universities in Turkey, Bosphorus University, and, um, and and that's uh, the rest is really um, all history uh, with Istanbul, and then Europe, and and now here in the states for the last seven years.
1: Share with us a little bit about that career journey of going from a small town to a much larger city. And then even moving countries in Europe, can you share a little bit about that journey and what really led you innately to have an interest to do that versus be afraid from it? So apart from,
0: you know, um, getting good grades and doing well at school, um, being pr- perhaps being the youngest uh, was such an age difference between the siblings and then also among my cousins too, you know, I'm the youngest. So uh, I was very much into reading and exploring and uh, learning early on and uh Sort of at a point, um, I came to the realization that that small city, you know, th- could not contain me. Sort of I wanted to explore something different and bigger. So it just came in stages, so to speak. And, uh, and the first step was Istanbul. So I was lucky enough to be able to attend a private high school uh, where I learned English. And um, kind of all my courses were in English. Uh, so English has been part of my life for a long time now, and, and then again, um, was lucky to be able to go to um, a state university, which is uh, one of the prominent universities, not only in Turkey, but also in Europe and, in, you know, in the world. So, um, Istanbul was obviously uh, a city that offered a lot to me in terms of uh, learning, connecting, and meeting new people. Um uh, I think the first and the only, I must say, perhaps, the mentor, I've certainly learned a lot from a lot of people along the way, but the first mentor for me was um, at high school, my English teacher. Um, he was such a world citizen, uh, such an intellectual, and uh, such a warm person. Uh, he really took a special interest in all of us. Um I was able to learn from him, not just what he was teaching, but everything and anything beyond. And uh, we used to have some really, you know, uh, nice conversations about life, about learning, about um, people and an education, and then becoming a world citizen, really. This whole curiosity about, uh, the fact that there is a there is a big world beyond what's what you see, so um, with that in mind, uh, certainly um, at co- you know uh, college uh, years and uh, I at first didn't know what I was going to do, and then I came across with marketing um, and uh, and there on and the first course I took in marketing was uh, an eye opener for me and uh, really sort of um thought that everything that it brought um everything that it touched anything from economics to sociology and uh and the people and psychology political let's say um side of it and everything so i just kind of i thought that it spoke to me so I kind of took an interest in marketing and went on to sort of take a lot of courses and uh and then, uh, moving from the third year, the, as I was uh, becoming a senior at school, um, uh, I was uh, accepted to Colgate-Palmolive for an internship, and that really changed my life. Um, I opened my eyes to the marketing world at one of the uh, the most successful um, global companies that does this thing, you know, marketing very well. So, learned tremendously there. And... Uh, and uh, I, I just came to the conclusion that actually that was what, what I wanted to do, being in the commercial world. Um, so, um, and then um, I worked uh, in a stationary business a little bit um, before uh, I went on to uh, complete my mandatory military service in Turkey, all man. Um, we have to serve... Um, At times, you know, it changed over the years. My time was either 16 months as a lieutenant or just eight months. And the thing is, you don't get to decide Mm -hmm. the choice is made for you by the government. And um, as much as I wanted to just go for eight months and uh, be done with it, I ended up serving uh, for 16 months. And then they prep you for the first three months. So it's really training. And then they basically... um, Assign you to a post somewhere in the country. And um, I was assigned to um, a a military um, post uh, on the Iranian border in the mid-90s. And that was another eye-opening experience for me, uh, particularly for the fact that the last four months of that assignment, I had the full responsibility of 50 soldiers Mm -hmm. on my team. We were stationed. We were not moving. Uh, We were stationed, but we were under constant threat of being attacked um, by the uh, Kurdish separatists. So um, it just, um, you only can uh, train for so much. It just, you really, it's like, you know, you learn by doing it. It's almost like, you know, 10, 20, 70 rule. I didn't have 20, like coaching there was no one that was coaching me, but 10% was really all about that training, but 70% is actually learning about it by doing it. You know, looking back, just gave me a lot of perspective about leadership and um, under some very tough conditions and, and against sort of your um, natural um, place. I mean, it's just very much of an out-of-body, out-of-comfort sort of experience. Um So uh, And then uh, came Perfetti, uh, Perfetti at that time, so Italian company, confectionery, big and growing, Um, and uh, I knew a little bit about them because back in um, the stationery business when I was there working for uh, one of the leading companies uh, in Turkey, um, I used to work with McCann, Ericsson um advertising agency and my account director there was uh, also working on perfetti account and as a consumer i also knew quite a bit about them um the fact that they were really changing the entire confectionery market as they came to turkey of uh, in the in the early 90s so i was an admirer of what they were doing and uh and and uh, as a company who they were so um there was an opportunity i applied for the job and just became uh, sort of the responsible person for marketing working directly
1: with uh, the managing director did they with your military experience did they recruit you from the military no no wow. you
0: know military is basically you go you serve and uh you're basically done with that and then um And then they, in case of emergency, they can call you back, you know, military. Because in Turkey, uh, we have officers, obviously, that's their profession, but we don't have a professional army. The Turkish army, by and large, is basically through the recruits from all the men, you know, in in the country. So, uh, and that's still the case. Um, But at that time, um, they absolutely needed a lot of bodies um, to be able to sort of fight um, the Kurdish insurgency um, in, uh, certain parts of the country. So, um, I was, and then I completed my service and went back home and just started looking, uh, the next opportunity.
1: Yeah. And then you went from Colgate Palmala, very large global organization to a very large family business right? Perfetti is a family business. Can you walk us through a little bit of that learning? Was there a learning curve at all? I know they're both very large global entities. Yeah. I was very young when I
0: worked at Colgate. Um, It was just very much like a college and sort of out of college uh, experience. So I was taking everything in. and uh, um, So truly, um, coming into this particular company, I didn't have any expectations apart from the fact that I knew uh, in the first week that I was told that the person who hired me, our sales and marketing director, uh, was actually going to be a general manager. And we didn't have a marketing department at that time in Turkey. So I was completely on my own and working with our general manager at that time, it was uh, a lot of... um, basically doing um, strategy and execution at the same time. Uh, So, um, and what I learned is um, that early on, uh, that one of the things that probably kept me uh, with Perfetti is that we really try to do what's right for the long term uh, and do not really spend uh, time to make the numbers work every quarter and sort of give explanations as to what's happening in the business. So that in and of itself was something that I picked up early on um, that really um, helps you to put uh, sort of a, a long-term vision as to where you want to go and how you're going to get there.
1: So, And ultimately you became the general manager of Turkey, correct? Not
0: really. So, um, so I was in marketing. I headed marketing in Turkey for about five years, and then in two thousand and one, early two thousand and one, Profeti acquired Femel. So Femel is and was the maker uh, of uh, Mentos and Airheads brands. Um, so we became Profeti Femel, um, and then um, they asked me to move to Milan to had international marketing for our gum products. Um, so September 2001, I moved to Italy and joined the international marketing team and for about five years worked very closely with our shareholder and our top management. I was uh, part of that team. who used to travel around the world. And really, uh, my job was to help put a strategy together sort of a roadmap to expand and amplify, you know, um, our position in the gum market across the world. And that was another great learning experience for me to be able to work so closely with our shareholders and, um, very tenured group of, you know, executives taught me a lot about, um, different sides of the business and, um, and uh, how you define competitive advantage and uh, and how you basically uh, always keep an eye on innovation as it's very, very critical in our business, uh, as it's an impulse business, uh, confectionery is. Um, you definitely want to, you know, uh, pleasantly surprise your consumers Um Pretty pretty frequently, you know, cycle cycle, uh, from the cycle perspective. So, um, I joined the team, and I was the international marketing director for about five years. And in two thousand and six, I moved back to Turkey, um, but this time around as a commercial director. Uh, And uh, I uh, had about two hundred people on my team. Um, We had um, different channels of trade, uh, and as well as uh, different ways of going to market. Uh, it was yet another experience, a uh, great experience for me to be able to build a business with my team um, and, uh, and learn a lot about leadership. Um, and, um, and then, uh, and also, once again, sort of a confirmation and a for me that particularly what I pay attention to, that um, there is a sales, you know, function and there is marketing function, but for me, it's all about commercial team. One team, one goal, and uh, working uh, together like hand and glove, and then supporting each other, and that whole dynamic is extremely important. And that was sort of one of the backbones of our success back in Turkey. And I do believe that it's been, you know, uh, uh, the same um, for other you know uh, journeys that I've been part of. So um, I was uh, there about five years. And then uh, early 2011, came here to the U.S. to transition to this role as president and CEO in the middle of 2012,
1: and everything went according to the plan. Let's talk a little bit about the exposure to executives, right, and the exposure to other leaders, and hopefully for those executives, the exposure to younger talent in a you know new ideas innovation it sounds like that was a key part of helping you build the confidence early on that you know and for people to see what you could bring right bringing out the best in you how has that transcended into your leadership today are there programs and things or you know culturally focused aspects of exposing young talent to executive team members sure um i think um There's two parts to this,
0: and number one is early on, particularly at Perfetti and Perfetti Famil, working so closely with our shareholders and then our uh, executive team, um, I was really immersed in a world of sort of entrepreneurial kind of thinking and initiative, and that perspective was very much uh, shaping our day-to-day sort of decisions and, uh, and choices. Uh, that was very valuable, to be able to sort of um, be uh, on the edge and uh, and then always be ready to, um, to react, but also proactively, you know, um, look for opportunities. So that has helped tremendously. As I moved forward, you know, and then moved on, I came to the realization that actually... Um, I was reading and I was learning and I was listening about different success stories and different leaders and different executives and their success stories and uh, and what they did and why they did it. So that sort of brought me to a world where I was taking in uh, all that um, and then filtering and understanding, uh, sort of um, putting into, uh, into sort of a one-pager as to why the purpose is so important and how you approach the things that you are sort of asked or assigned to, um, or why it is important that you actually have to feel passion about what you really want to spend time on and then how you bring that to life. So with that in mind, um, I really paid a lot of attention to, okay, um, it's all about really putting a great team together to be able to first put a strategy, but also execute it in in excellence. So team leadership and um, collaboration, organizational influence, and how you lead uh, with purpose sort of became the top of mind for me. And in that respect, um, I certainly can say that Two particular, you know, uh, people have been instrumental and very influential in my thinking. Number one was Jim Collins and and the way that he described leadership and and then how certain leaders with certain profiles were able to make a difference. Uh, So I was a big fan uh, of his uh, teachings. And then I really came across with Uh, Patrick Lencioni, and um, what I really loved about what he was saying is, apart from um, the truth in it, that he was um, sharing all this in the simplest form, uh, was not making it any more complex than it needed to be. And then also, again, that taught me out the, the, the importance of simplicity. The world is complex as is, You know, this whole military term, "navuka" and uh, how you need to uh, be aware of that. So um, uh, those two names have been extremely influential in my thinking and the way that I approach business, building teams and success and performance. And then and um, and um, and raising the
1: bar uh, all the time. How have you taken influence like Patrick Lencioni or Jim Collins? How have you made that tangible for your team, your organization? You know, how did you take the thoughts and the leadership perspectives and bring that to life in the organization to set the tone for the culture?
0: There are a lot of common denominators uh, between those two and what they're teaching, and um, I've. The first, the first and foremost is, I believe, as um, the, the servant leadership, you know, under that particular guide, um, the importance of um, paying attention to the organizational health. So um, the financial health of any business is extremely critical, and then you want it to be sustained, and, um, and you want it to be um, meaningful. Um, but if you're not paying attention to the organizational health, the thing is, you cannot sustain financial health. So, um, even before we start talking about what, I sort of started to, started to think more about how and how we do things, how we work as a team, and then, um, how we sort of exemplify and cascade across the organization. So, um that became an important uh, sort of a uh, uh, note pole for me. And, um, and ultimately uh, the thinking is from my perspective, uh, we as executives and top executives, um, we're not really judged by, uh, we're judged by the decisions that we make. So the idea of being able to be right, coming out of a meeting is more important to me than being right going into a meeting. So my perspective is I need to surround myself with the best and the brightest across the organization. I need to work with, and I would like to work with, people that I would see myself reporting to, that I would learn a great deal from. So um, with that in mind, I uh, want to make sure that we are strategically and behaviorally aligned across the organization and we are cohesive and we engage in great conversation at times with conflict, but it's positive and it's actually helping each other to raise the bar even further. And then um, we may not agree on every single thing, But once we walk out the door, we know that we are 100% aligned, and we carry one single message, and we know how to cascade that message. So Jim Collins and Patrick Lencioni helped me put this sort of thinking together with a lot of um, uh, points that they have been raising for years now, and um, so... I never met them in person, uh, but uh, I'm so uh, happy that I've come across with uh,
1: with, uh, with uh, what they wrote and uh, what they shared with the rest of the world. Thank you for sharing that. I think one of the areas I'm always inspired by with your leadership is, one, uh, having been on the side of helping you add leaders to your team, you keep that perspective that it's not about you always try to find people who are going to bring even more value to the table. um, And you respect, you know, we say leaders, we need to be hiring people that bring even greater strengths than us. And it's, you can feel that in your approach to adding talent to your team. And you always share what you're learning from them, right? And, you know, again, not many leaders do that, right? Not many leaders actually take the step to add talent that's, you know, that's as strong and stronger in certain areas where we can all learn. And you build a collaborative environment because of that, that people want to thrive in that environment. Um, and we're all going to learn from one another and my perceptions can wait because I need to hear my team out and what they're all bringing to the table.
0: To me, it's as simple as um, when I'm asked what's what keeps me up at night, um, talent is always number one. Um, at times because uh, it scares you know, at times it's uh, not easy to get to and like these times, unfortunately, uh, across the board, you know, uh, from top leaders to, you know, our um, co-workers at the factory. Um, but talent uh, is extremely critical um, because, again, there's um, so much we can do to bring inspiration, motivation and sort of strategic Um, orientation to any given organization, but I need an army of talented people to take with me on this journey. I can't do this on my own. Nobody can. So it's sort of uh, putting a vision together and going after that vision, you know, holding hands and working together and then helping each other. So, it is the most important thing on my agenda that um, I uh, help create a culture where great talent is, is always wanted, always celebrated, always supported, and, and then also it just adds up to something much bigger than individuals that is a collective sort of genius that we come up with to be able to make a difference. So it just comes naturally to me after all these years. Maybe it wasn't that that so 15 years ago, but I've been fortunate enough to kind of be on a journey to learn this and then keep this with me. Um, So yes, I do take a lot of time to make sure that we are getting the right people and the right seeds. And we're doing everything to support them to be successful because their success is our collective success.
1: And that experience that employees have being underneath that leadership sets the tone for culture and expectations for culture. I was at two years ago, I was at a conference with your team and I was sitting at a, at a dinner before the expo, the sweets and snacks expo. And I was asking individuals, You know, do you enjoy what you're doing? And this person was fairly new to the team. I don't know if I've ever told you this. And his perspective was not only am I enjoying it, but it's the safest place I've ever worked because it's the most aligned organization I've ever been a part of. And my manager, this person's manager and his manager and the CEO, I know all have our backs here right? We set a tone of transparency and leadership. Uh, And it was one of those pivotal why moments for me personally. Uh, We had the opportunity for that individual's manager and that manager's manager. We were a part of helping you gain inside your organization on the search side. And it was one of those moments that just, wow, this is why when we say we're trying to build healthy cultures as leaders, that's what that's all about right? That's how that cascades down.
0: Yes. And then it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. You know that you're on a journey and then every single minute and every single second counts and every single interaction counts. So uh, thank you for sharing that with me. Uh, it's certainly one of the best gifts that I can you know, hope for. And hearing those um, only make my day and make me even more committed to what I am doing, Um, yes, um, we, for example, as a team, uh, our leadership team, we have a playbook um, and we have commitments to one another, to the entire team. And my commitment to my team is as much as I'm going to continue to raise the bar, I have your bags and I'm going to provide a safety net for you to be able to bring the best in you. So uh, that's my commitment to my team. And then um, I make it my business to remember every time I sit down with them or every other time that I sit down with them to talk about the business. At the end of the conversation, I ask two questions. Um, The first question is always, what can I do to support you better? The second question is maybe a bit more, um, let's say, um, quarterly, uh, as um, I need to be able to give them the time to think about this. How am I doing? So, Because the feedback is the biggest gift that you can ask for and learn from. So um, hearing those type of stories um, really um, make me so happy that actually we're doing something meaningful, and that's something that that we're actually moving forward uh, with, uh, with that commitment uh, to to creating a, a place uh, where people enjoy being part of. And at the end, also, 21 years of the confectionery company, you know, candy is a fun business, and we need to make it fun, and then celebrating success is important to us so celebrating our wins and then patting each other on the back or recognizing each others you know successes so i'm glad to say that we also have a very strong sense and uh, commitment to our rewards and recognition program but you know recognition is even Sometimes a thank you, a heart, heartfelt thank you Absolutely. to an individual.
1: Well, a corporate culture, the experience that individuals have inside the organization, permeates the outside market, right? So if as a if you're not creating the healthy fun um, and making life sweeter for your own employees, the consumers won't feel that show up in the brand. And um, and you can certainly see that, you know, just even by testament of the growth, right, of the elevation of the organization. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about your experience of um moving to North America to take over, to begin taking over the organization in two thousand eleven and where you are now, and the amount of growth and trajectory that you continue to be on. Um let's talk a little about the growth story and the turnaround story and the elevation story of leadership and what you've learned from those experiences.
0: Yes, uh, it's been certainly a very sweet you know story so far, and I have my th- team to thank for it. Um, i uh, I think just looking back, um, it's been uh, a tremendously uh, rewarding journey for me. Um, We basically, uh, back in the day in 2012, uh, we definitely knew that we had to do something different, Um, and then we had to put a a very clear what, um, and then as well as define how. So it was um, those two coming hand in hand and really working a miracle for our company so Um, It was really putting a very solid ambition plan, a a strategic plan for the business for the first three years, and then learning as we move forward, because it had never been done before. And then, again, looking at our talent pipeline and talent sort of pool, and uh, definitely identifying the strengths and the gaps, you know, starting with the leadership team. So um, it was a journey where we were lucky enough to be able to get, on a constant basis, um, great people joining our team, and then being part of that vision. Um, so we set some very um, ambitious targets for ourselves and goals on the Fair First uh, in early as early as 2013. Uh, and at the same time worked on our team dynamics, you know, the way that we do things. So that kind of happened over the years hand in hand and supported each other. And goes goes back to, again, to my earlier comment that if you're not paying attention to the organizational health, starting with yourself and your team and then how you cascade it, no matter what you plan and you put into strategy and how well you execute it, one part is always going to be missing, that health component in terms of how you do it will be missing. So we paid attention to both. I think we came up with a very solid plan that, strategic plan that identified our competitive you know, advantage. And, uh, and then really across the commercial organization made it very clear and simple to everyone. Uh, we listened to them and got their buy-in. And at the same time, took it to a different level and then made it to a, a complete a whole, whole organizational effort. And then uh, the second one is, um, again, uh, working with my team, uh, making sure that we have a very clear set of norms and the playbook as to how we're going to work together. And then uh, to be able to execute that plan in excellence. So... The results are extremely um, rewarding. Um, We uh, have achieved 11 to 12% Keger growth, purely organic growth, over the last five years. Uh, Last three years, we've been category growth leader. We've been outpacing the category anywhere between 5 to 15 times. Uh, And the growth is coming from both of our core brands, Mentos and Airheads. We've been able to do a lot in terms of building share and household penetration and some of the metrics that you pay attention to in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're so happy that we've been able to also diversify and then create and tap on opportunities across occasion marketing. Um, and, uh, and then uh, really... Um, building at the same time core processes within the company, improving them, uh, help that because those processes and tools, they help us bring all these ideas to life in the most effective and efficient way. And it's always a learning process. And every time I speak with my team or... You know, we have our airwaves meetings, what we call single uh, one hour meetings, a meeting every single uh, month um, and where we share the news from across the organization. We also share, you know, our financials and, uh, our, you know, share some numbers about the health of our business. Um, that every time I you know uh talk to my uh, team members, I talk about the importance of being a learning organization. So how do we learn from what we do from others? How do we not only keep an internal eye but also external eye right to be able to stay uh competitive and winning?
1: It's a very interesting story for our listeners to hear because the organic growth has come what I just distilling down what you just shared. Is having strengthening the core structures and vision and playbook of our organization and culture, while being extremely innovative and and getting ahead of what consumers are going to want. So tremendous amount of innovation. Um, you know, some organizations believe in order to grow, wow, we just we just can't grow. We're going to have to go buy something, acquire something, or sell. And that's not the case. Right? And you're a great testimony of that, that you can focus on laying out the right culture and structures, creating acceptance to be creative, and to come up with wild and zany ideas that are going to meet the consumer's needs. And, um, and that's showed up in many forms in many of your product innovation that we all now as consumers around the world get to experience, and I believe that's cultural to Perfetti Van Mela, right? That's part of the core beliefs of Absolutely. your organization. Absolutely. I
0: mean, we definitely took uh, a lot from our own DNA, you know, but turned it into or made it something even bigger and then more meaningful. You just use the you know, sort of one of the operative words there, focus, which is personally has always been very important to me. So when they ask me, you know, sort of give me uh, to, to to give them the sort of this sweet formula of the mm-hmm. success. Um the way that I picture it is just think of a think of a house, right? And right at the the top it all starts with courage. If you're not courageous to try new things and keep an eye on uh, what's happening around you and learn from it. It's just nothing's going to move forward. So it all starts with courage, collective courage. And then the second most important thing is focus. And um, the world is sometimes, the world could be very distracting sometimes. And uh, uh, there's opportunity everywhere you look. But you always have to keep your, you know, keep asking yourself how many, how many rabbits are you going to chase, right? I'd rather be great at a few things than be good at many things. That's kind of what I subscribe to, and uh, I respect, you know, uh, the other point of view on this one. Um, so focus is very critical to me, and then the third thing is there, sort of informing everything that we do, is clarity. You know, creating a clarity and uh, getting everyone aligned on that clarity and repeating that clarity over and over and over again is extremely important. So that's on basically on the top, and then I'm going to go down to the to basic uh, to the basics, uh, sort of the um, um, the fundamental is people. You build the people. On the shoulders you, you build the business i'm sorry on the shoulders of people if you don't if you don't build the people you can't build the business it's all about the people people make it happen and the columns are really having a very solid strategic plan coming up with meaningful and sustained innovation and then the third one is executing everything in excellence so that's kind of the picture for those of us who are more visual (laughs) I I create that picture for them you touched upon innovation yes it's a very important part of our business everywhere and it's in our DNA but we added that additional sort of uh, layer of being very intentional about innovation and um, Making sure that it is meaningful and it is sustained.
1: And it's accepted. And it's absolutely right? yeah. It's creating accepted. a culture that allows creative thinking and ideas and true free innovation to take place. Absolutely. That's a key part of it. Yeah. That and then sense.
0: we invested, we have been investing in the you know, innovative you know, thinking skills of our people over the years, and then encouraging people to use their voice everybody has a voice everybody has a lot of value to bring to the business it's not about oh that has nothing to do with me or and I would I wouldn't I wouldn't dare to say anything about that side of the business or that building block of the business no I mean if uh, everybody has ideas and and everybody has something to say so use that that inclusion is inc- important to me so it's part of our uh we' are, we have been very intentional in making that part of our culture.
1: Could you share a couple of specifics around investing in things that help people be more effective in innovation? I know you've went to great great lengths to invest in this topic. Are there things that if somebody's sitting here going, how do I invest in my people to help them with their innovative thought processes? And what, you know, you've done storytelling training and all types of specific resources. We
0: have done, uh, uh, definitely, I mean, and then certainly, I think it's important to create an ecosystem and being very intentional about this, and then having an integrated approach to it rather than one-offs. I think that would be the first thing that I would recommend everyone to kind of think of. If you really want to change, then you really have to be committed to that change, and it's not going to happen in two months or six months. It's going to take its baby steps, but this is bigger than that. So think more long term, with quick wins and wins across, you know, along the way. You know, you don't have to wait for three years for your first win. You certainly will have and identify the milestones and uh, and the times that you're going to get the most out of it. But it's a long term investment. So. Creating that intentional and integrated ecosystem of learning is critical. And then how you bring that to life is up to you, whether you do that within or you partner with somebody who is really good at it or an institution who is really good at it is is basically a choice that you need to make. In our case, uh, we have uh, had the the pleasure to partner with a, a great organization out of New York, city what if they also have obviously their headquarters in london and um they have been such great partners um bringing uh this framework and sort of vernacular to um innovative thinking and innovation across the organization um and um that um it also again uh i think goes back to that 10-20-70 uh, uh, model um, it's really 10% uh, that you spend time learning about something whether you're reading a book or you're attending a two hour sort of seminar 20% is really how you're being coached and how you're being helped bringing that to life but 70% is all about doing it and if you're not doing it and learning, a, learning then that's that's not trans, and that that doesn't transfer to success. So um, we partnered with them, so they have helped helped us tremendously. Uh, but it doesn't start necessarily. Again, doesn't start with choosing a partner. It starts with you sitting down, taking an hour or two days, whatever works for you, to being very intentional about this, mm-hmm. in terms of putting down what you expect from this and why you're doing it. The question why always comes up, right? Why are we doing this instead of doing something
1: else, being very intentional about it. In terms of, um, I know we talked about Patrick Lencioni, Jim Collins, the What If organization. Are there other things that you personally enjoy reading and listening to to continue to spark the creativity and and then the other side of that question is what helps you wind down as a CEO? Um,
0: I love reading, actually. If you look at my resume, you know, down the bottom, I, I, I list three things. Number one, I'm a big tennis fan. Um, and uh, I picked it up quite late in life and I'm trying to up my game uh, myself. But um, I have been watching tennis for years now. And I travel for it, so to go and see tournaments there. Uh, So that's something that I, you know, spend some time on uh, on my, uh, uh, for for, for leisure, let's say. And then the second thing is I like to just basically um, call myself an audiophile. So I'm a big, you know, fan of music, and I collect secondhand vinyl, and... um, I have a very I have a I have a stereo uh, uh, that I'm very proud of uh, that I' invested. Uh, so music is, is is really important to me. Uh, my range is pretty you know wide um, anything from rock to classical music um, and um, and then the third thing that I write uh, is basically, um, I'm an avid reader, so I like to read. Uh, And I'm a big fan of fiction as well, so fiction also helps you to be creative uh, because locking yourself into that world that the writer has created and just moving with him or her uh, is just a completely different experience, and particularly from different cultures and different writers, you know. Uh, uh, And I have the privilege to be able to read in three languages, Uh, And that helps, too. Um, And uh, from the professional side, I um, do follow quite a number of, you know, periodicals and starting with, obviously, Harvard Business Review, you know, Fast Company, Fortune, and um, I can basically also on the, uh, on the uh, online, you know, whatever material I can get my get our hands on and um, we also invest um, again uh, in the development of our people across the organization from top uh, leaders to to uh, to uh, beginners and new you know young uh, managers coming to our organization Uh, We also go uh, as a leadership team and we also take uh, some of our leaders with us every single year. We go to uh, New York city uh, for the world business forum. That's been a wonderful platform for great learning for all of us over the years and a great bonding experience, uh, you know, team building experience, Uh, tremendous, you know, uh, uh, talents or great lineup of, um, tremendously talented people. And, um, so, um, just try to be uh, as up to date and informed uh, as much as I can, so in that and then keep that you know learning and that this whole, uh, I think um, one of the things that I would, if you ever asked me, you know, what I would sort of advise people or young people looking uh, for, um, for the next big thing you know, in their lives. The, one of the things that always come to mind is um, just being open-minded, being open to learning, being patient, and generous. Generosity is, is, is very important to me as value, as a person. But uh, as someone who was born, you know, raised in Turkey, lived there, my family is still there. As someone who lived in Italy and travel the world for business or for leisure. Suspending judgment and being open uh, to new ideas and new experiences and, uh, uh, you know, new chapters is, is critical. So just, you know, broaden your horizon and then uh, and, and, uh, learn as much as you can. At the end of the day, it's up to you what to keep and what to leave behind. Uh, you make that decision, but at least be open-minded and be patient too. Timing is everything, so uh, and then always be generous, with you, with your time, and uh, uh, you know, with friends and family, uh, and uh, and with your coworkers at the same time. So, um,
1: thank you so much. Thank you for that, I, Mehmet. I learn from you every time I'm with you. I value your friendship and your leadership and being a long time. supporter of your organization. So thank you for all you do. Thank you for what you do to lead well and your entire team who hopefully will have the opportunity to listen to this. Thank them for leading this type of culture in their own lives and in their own experiences and in their own environments. So we appreciate so much having you on the Talent Magnet Institute podcast today. We hope our listeners have many takeaways um, with this, and it uh, really helps them think through their own leadership and how they can elevate the way in the cultures that they create in their environments. Thank you for this time. Thank you so much for
0: having me, and
1: then all the friendship and the partnership we've
0: had over the years. And certainly, Centennial has been such a great part of our journey and such a great partner. So we couldn't be prouder. what we've done together and then all the value that you brought and then congratulations and good luck on this particular initiative i'm so excited to be part of this and i am here to help and support you in any way i can um, to make this uh, a big success and to be able to really change uh, lives and touch someone's life and to be able to give them uh, an opportunity I i would be more than happy to be part of that so appreciate it thank you so much
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute Podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Sound Press, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Sipple Jr. We are recorded in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We're supported by our listeners from all around the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is part of the Talent Magnet Institute and Centennial. You can reach me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Mike Sipple Jr. Find us in your favorite podcast app, or you can visit us online at talentmagnetinstitutepodcast.com to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a colleague.